We're excited to share this podcast in partnership with the American Association of Nurse Anesthetists as part of the new video and audio streaming platform, the CRNA Knowledge Network. For currently active members of the ANA, you can earn free Class A continuing education credits with this podcast through January 31, 2020. Yes, you heard it right. It is free. Visit aanackn.com and log in with your AANA user ID and password to access the audio sessions. Sharon and I here at Beyond the Mask, we're happy to be part of this initiative and we hope you enjoy the show. Beyond the Mask is also made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Schedule a free consultation today at crnafinancialplanning.com. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. My co-host is Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, past president of the AANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles in the association. Our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs. We recently went on a podcast recording blitz at the ANA meeting in Chicago. We conducted lots of interviews with some of the industry's most interesting people. So Sharon, where are we today? We are in Chicago, Illinois at the AANA Annual Congress. Yes, we are. The Windy City. It's it's windy. I can tell you've been out in it this morning. All right, um, now. I'm just saying. But, um, <laughs> along with us today, we have a wonderful guest, Steve Mund. And uh, I know you two have known each other for a long time. I've kind of known Steve uh, arm's length a little bit and know his wife fairly well as well. Actually, so. I know, I've known his wife longer than I've known Steve. Really? Oh, interesting. And Steve's going to talk to us today about something that every CRNA should know about, and unfortunately, uh, depositions and making sure you get legal advice. And Steve, um, you have recently, I think, retired. I put in air Air quotation marks, right? Yes, I have. I've uh, retired from my last position as Senior Director of uh, Surgical Services at Sanford Health up in Fargo. Uh, moved home. We've been, uh, Angie and I have been commuting for seven years. Delta Airlines likes it. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, Are you a million, million miler now? Yes, I am. All right. <laughs> and what does that get you? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure Nothing. what it gets me. Well, it's all kind no, of it got birds, me a so. really nice backpack. That's what all it got right. me. All right. So uh, but I uh, still do consulting on the side, and I have the good fortune. Uh, I teach at the Medical University of South Carolina as an adjunct faculty member. Okay. I teach in the AFN program for nurses on the business principles. And I'm going to start teaching a couple courses uh, this fall in the DHA program. Uh, I'm excited about that including the one I'm most excited about is a course on uh, ethical healthcare leadership and discussing with future healthcare leaders the ethics of what we do in our profession. I like that. 
That will be, be interesting great. because uh, in healthcare, not everybody is ethical. <laughs> mm, that could be yeah. another. That's a whole, whole other series, podcast, right? <laughs> Stephen. Why? Why is this topic so important? Well, I think that people are terrified of the fact of being sued. I mean, but it's a reality. It's uh, the filing of a suit is just anybody can basically sue anybody at any time, and so as part of that process, when we do that. There, if it continues to move forward, there's a point where you, the first part is you have depositions. And, and that's gathering evidence as they try to uh, either confirm or break down the, your story and to see how they're going to proceed to a trial. So we don't think about it every day we do our job, but every medical record we have is our record of the event. And we have to make sure that they're accurate and that we then use those records if for some reason we find ourselves in some sort of unfortunate situation of being sued. So how did you become interested in this? Uh, I think something's happened um, that I hope you can share why you became interested and become kind of an expert on the deposition process. Can you share that with us? Well, you know, prior to... uh, my anesthesia career, which I've just celebrated 21 years since I graduated. Congratulations. Minneapolis VA. I spent 20 years in law enforcement. So I've testified before grand juries. I've had depositions. I've been sued in federal court for uh, what we called the 1983 action for a civil rights violation. It ultimately was resolved and there was no violation on our part, but it's the whole process that you go through. And, uh, and that was interesting because it was actually named seven officers. It was a murder suspect, and and uh, that he admits that we said we didn't give him medical attention because I did his interview where he confessed to it. And the whole thing is videotaped, and he had a broken mm. leg, and it's in a cast, and the cast is broken because he got drunk and fell down, and not by us on his own at the party where he ordered this snitch to be killed. And then... Wow. Uh, <laughs> And he wants to sue us, saying we violate, you know, and it's like, it's right there on the videotape that I offered him multiple times. Are you in any pain? Do we need to end? No, no, no. And it's all there. But it took a year and a half to resolve that. And it went through, I mean, so we have two different counties sued, nine officers. And the important thing I learned out of that is no matter where you're covered, you need an attorney to represent you. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about that later in here, but it's all about someone's got to watch out for your interests. I mean, you may right. love your employer and they're great people and sort of thing, but you always have to have someone watching out for your interests. Right. Well, it, it seems that we have an If it's me and you, it's you, right? I'm sorry? <laughs> if it's me and you, it's you. Well, that's just it. Yeah. And the concern is, is someone will cut a deal and all of a sudden, you know, the county in this case would have cut the officers loose and said, Right. They violated a policy or something. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then we're out there hanging. Yeah. But, yeah. And we're seeing that a lot, you know, these days as well. So, sure. Um, why, okay. So why would, uh, kind of back us up here, why would a CRNA ever need to be deposed? What What are the risks out there that a CRNA, or maybe some examples that you might could give that, that would get them involved in a lawsuit? Anything and everything we do every day is a potential. Okay. So you do an improper pre-op documentation and there's an adverse event. You didn't find out that they were allergic to narcotics. You gave them narcotics, they had an adverse event. Hmm. Uh, you uh, damage their teeth when you do laryngoscopy. I mean, certain things are just a known risk and we ultimately, your insurance payers typically pay for them or organizations. I mean, in my 
we would review those kind of claims at my hospital, and then we, if we made the error, we'd say, fine, we'll fix your teeth. I mean, it, it, mm-hmm. it's a known risk. There's right. nothing we can do about it. But I think, more importantly, they're looking for those cases where there's absolute negligence. So let's talk about the deposition process. I think I've been deposed a couple of times, but mine was because I was an expert uh, witness on a case. And I've done video depositions as well as just audio depositions. But talk to us a little bit, a little bit about the process. Well, if it reaches a point where there's depositions being taken, the first and foremost is be prepared. So your attorney, or whoever's representing you, should have gone through the entire thing. I mean, they'll have read the complaint, what the alleged violations are, and they should do a good job of prepping you for that. And to be properly prepped, you know, to understand, they tell you things, and you know, the attorney is the expert in this room. They're the expert about this process, and listen to them. One of the worst things we do in depositions is we ramble. Right. Mm, talk too much. Yes. The the rule of thumb is answer the question that's asked of you. And, and shut up. You can, yes. <laughs> and if you can do it with one word, do it with one word. Mm-hmm. And I don't know and I don't remember are valid answers. Hmm. If you don't have, I mean, they'll ask you, do you have an independent recollection of Mr. Jones's blood pressure falling at 147 and, you know, during the case? And you can, you can say... I don't have an independent recollection, but my anesthesia record is review it. If you show it to me, I can use that record to refresh my memory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Well, Pierce's favorite words are, I don't recall. So <laughs> he'll do great in a deposition one day. I told you to stop and get bread. Well, I don't recall. <laughs> yeah. I also think that you know your attorney's prep, I think on the day of the deposition, you have to come in there professional. I think your dress and demeanor is important, even though it's not a trial. You know, a trial where we're we're not playing to the to the attorneys; we're playing to the jury. I recall an event when I testified in federal court on a major narcotics arrest I was part of, and did my whole testimony. The U.S. attorney asked me questions; I turned to the jury, get the answer, and the defense attorney spent 20 minutes querying me on well where did you learn to testify and why were you trained and why do you look to the jury and don't look at me when i'm when you answer your question oh, wow mm-hmm. and but the reality is is the jury is the triers of the facts so you want to create a relationship with them mm. yeah so, so yeah well you hit the, you, you hinted around to something a minute ago i just want you to kind of elaborate on it and you said something about your lawyer being your lawyer um, and elaborate on that a little bit for us. What, what did you mean by that? Well, depending on your arrangement, maybe your malpractice insurance is covered by the hospital. Your employer has provides you coverage. You have no independent coverage. So, if there's a suit, risk management's going to get involved. They're going to have, and then they're going to have it. And if it comes to this point, the question is: Is that person sitting at the table representing the hospital, or are they representing you? Uh. And there can be multiple things. And in lawsuits, there's going to be multiple people usually named. I mean, if you were right. present in the room, you could be the janitor. Potentially, you could be named mm-hmm. in the lawsuit because you didn't you saw blood on the floor and you didn't tell someone about it. I mean, that side of it, it a lot of those things would be thrown out, but it could be. And, and I think it's personally important that you have someone that represents your interests. So if at some point you're at odds with the hospital you might want to make sure that someone's there and they don't uh, 
put the claim on you and say, well, you violated hospital policy, so you're not covered by the insurance, and hence, now you're on your well, own. Well, that brings up a good point. I've, I've heard of cases where the CRNA, you know, did something or something went wrong, but, but the lawyer in the hospital settled the case for them. Have you heard of things like this? I mean, the CRNA really didn't have a, a say-so in it. Well, I understand that, and that's another thing that we as individuals – you have to get you have to get your head around and get over it okay because mm. in the bottom line lawsuits it's an economic decision and uh, sometimes it's smarter to settle for a lesser amount and normally in those things they will do things like non-disclosures so I will settle the case but you can never talk about Steve Mund in this case or anything else or anything that happened it is really a reality and even though we're right you have to look at the economics of it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's the same thing for yourself. I mean, are you going to risk, say you're suing someone and they came to you, yeah, fine, we'll do it and we'll go all the way to the end. We don't think you have a good case, but it's going to cost you $200,000 to maybe get your million. Right. And are you going to roll the dice? And what happens if they came to you and said, well, we'll, we'll give you, you know, $75,000 or something. Right. So those are economic decisions. And that's the other part of it. There are economic decisions. But when you have your lawyer representing you, they can't settle without your approval. Without your consent. Mm. Well, what so, was it? John Fetcho talked about that with our malpractice insurance. And the AANA offers a policy, and it has the consent to settle rider in it. So you have to consent, but you've got to have that particular right. kind of insurance. Yeah, and that brings up a good point because a lot of CRNAs out there, and I talk to them all the time about this, they have no clue they're working at a hospital, they're working for a group, working for a facility, what that insurance policy says. Mm-hmm. I have no clue. And, you know, I implore them, get a copy of that, send it up to John and A&A Insurance Services, let them evaluate that. So if something like this comes up, you're not shocked. You, you know what you're dealing with. Well, and, and John and the team and A&A have some great things on our website. In mm-hmm. fact, I drive all of my students in the Anesthesia for Nurses Business Principles class I teach. One of our areas is about insurance and I make them go to the website see all the resources there and I pose this question to them that they have to write and there's there's not necessarily a right or wrong answer it's just I want them to start thinking about the question is you're being employed by a person by a company or a hospital and they cover your malpractice insurance will you purchase your own malpractice insurance in addition to that Mm -hmm. Mm. and it's very enlightening because a lot of them say, well, I wouldn't, and then all of a sudden after they gather the right information, they say, yeah, it might be worth it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I know when you get out of school or even at other times, it may seem like the premium policy seems oppressive, but I would ask, you know, what happens, what's the policy for your your home and your car, and you add all that insurance together and life insurance plans you have, I think it's a pretty good thing to protect yourself and a potential disastrous thing. Because you may be negligent. You may have made a mistake. Right. And uh, and as long as it's not criminally culpable, then you're not going to get a criminal. But you could be as a result of a civil lawsuit. Well, you need to let your stu- students listen to the podcast. John did a fantastic job. And it, it scared the living daylights out of me. <laughs> oh. Even as a long-time practitioner, <laughs> it scared me. But oh, it was great information. Yeah, that's wonderful. I'll add it to the uh, next year's class. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that would be good. All right, so let's back up just a little bit. And just walk me through this process. What if I'm being sued? 
tell me a process that I should follow. Well, the minute you get some sort of note, well, let's even go back further. There's an adverse event in the hospital. You should have practices to, to fill out adverse event forms mm-hmm. and go like that. And then that goes, your risk management would be monitoring those sorts of things and, and deal with that. But ultimately, at some point, if you're actually going to be sued, you will be served with papers from someone. And then at that point, you certainly need to continue and uh, notify if you're an insurance carrier, notify because if it's malpractice. So if you have your own, you need to notify if it's you know MedPro through A&A mm-hmm. Insurance Services. And then they will assign an attorney to the case. And from then on, listen to their advice. Don't go back and make corrections to records, you know, seven months later. And right. Because the EMR, we can see that you did it and, and those sorts of things. The record is the record. And so you just stay there. So now you're sued. You're going to go there. You're going to probably have more than one meeting with your attorneys. Be 100% honest. I mean, just be 100% honest. Don't try to mitigate and don't. And only talk about your role. You don't talk about other people's mm-hmm. roles unless they ask you, did you observe this? Did you see this happen? And if you did, then you can answer the question. But you don't say things like, well, I think they did this. Right. Or I don't. That You don't. Do what you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's really about the facts. Now, you were an administrator before this last retirement. <laughs> Can you give us a little bit of the scope of the problem as an administrator? How many times did you have to deal with something like this? I mean, I don't have any idea. Well, actually, in uh, uh, my last seven years at uh, Sanford, the anesthesia department, we had, and I can only speak about the anesthesia sure. department. Obviously. We actually only had uh, two items that got further down the road to the point of you know a, a formal lawsuit being uh, sent. There were certainly a number of uh, risk events that we dealt with. The, the one I just talked about, the teeth. I mean, right. We, well, we've all we've dealt with that. that one. And we just you know it's just we just manage that because mm-hmm. we know it's a known risk. Mm-hmm. But uh, we've had a couple that have gone on, and then. Uh, my job, when even though I wasn't in the case, I, my job was uh, as their director, or was to s- help the CRNA walk through the process and make sure and inform them that you know this is your attorney, this is who's watching out for you. Make sure you be honest, and certainly having my particular background in in law enforcement for 20 years and being involved in the court system, even though it's the criminal side, it gave them some reassurances particularly helpful to have an expert like you uh, sitting by me. I'll, I'll make sure that if I ever have to do this, I'll give you a call. But tell me, how are depositions different than trials? You talked about trials in the jury and some of your expertise in that area, but what are the differences? Well, first of all, in the deposition room, it'll be the uh, plaintiff, the person who's suing you, and then mm-hmm. you're the defendant. There are appropriate counsels. The victim may actually be there or may not be there if the victim's mm-hmm. deceased or their family or someone. And then your attorney. And depending on how big this is, if there's multiple defendants, uh, there could be five attorneys across from you and, and they all mm-hmm. get to ask you questions. Your attorney is there and uh, is there to protect you. Uh, these depositions, as you alluded to, can be audio or video recorded. And for that reason, it's it's important to come dressed as a professional, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about it. And I did take a lot of training relative to testimony, and there's just certain colors you don't wear to court. I mean... Uh, okay, tell know. us what those are. <laughs> I knew that was going to get your attention. <laughs> yes. Karen. You don't wear green, because green is a sign of distrust. So, really? So, yeah. So, distrust. I mean, 
So we, it's just a psychological. If you read about colors and things, it's just so we had never, I, if I testified in court, it was either a blue shirt or a white shirt, black suit, you know, red tie, right? Showing some power. I mean, Mm -hmm. just that concept of, you know, that you're in control. And a very important thing is, (laughs) one of the things I learned is do something with your hands. Right. Okay. Because otherwise you're fiddling. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. So particularly in a jury trial, that's very important because now you have these 12 individuals, or I guess you could have, in theory, a trial by the judge. You can have a trial by court, but typically it's 12 or 6 or whatever the laws are in the state you are. But they watch you fidgeting and stuff like that. Again, that kind Mm -hmm. of indicates deception. Mm -hmm. Interesting. You know, a good friend of mine is is a judge, and she lectures at some of the different meetings that I do and she gives a lecture on what does a judge look for when you're testifying Mm. and it's very very enlightening I didn't realize that nonverbal communication is admissible in court it's not admissible but it weighs into their decision that that would be true So yeah so it's not like it's actually entered in the evidence in the record because you don't have that but it certainly weighs into people's uh decision making process well the judge certainly looks at it well yeah that's work i mean you know most people they walk into a courtroom you've got an attorney badgering you i mean asking you questions that you get nervous well and that's why it's always important number one make sure you understand the question Mm-hmm. And if you didn't hear it properly or you're not sure what they're trying to ask you, you can ask them to repeat it. Always pause for a second before you jump into the answer. Mm-hmm. Because what that's doing, it's allowing your attorney an opportunity to potentially put forward an objection. Okay. So Good point. Just, just pause. I'm not saying it's not a one-minute pause, but just right. you ask the question, look for a moment, and then just pause and then answer the question. Mm-hmm. And, and more, as I said earlier, just answer the question that's presented to you. And if you don't know the answer, say, I don't know, or I wish to look at the record to refresh mm-hmm. my memory. Uh, because this isn't going to happen. I mean, if it happened the next day, you would have a lot of good recall, right? Right. right. But this is, could happen, in theory, it could happen multiple years later, right? Right. I mean, we have, I mean, that's why we talk about buying tails for those young kids that we have. When we do, an, in my last anesthetic of my career as a two-year-old, well, right. he technically has until he's 18 to sue right. me. Right, <laughs> so. right. Yeah, and I guess that's the reason that charting is so important. I know you know a lot of people don't like to do that. I mean, it, it seems kind of burdensome, but this is obviously one reason that that is extremely important. Absolutely. I think the EMR is beneficial to us, and it can also be detrimental to us. Hmm. And so we have to be careful because just remember, everything's going to be there. And every time you make a correction, if you do it two days later, there will be an audit trail within the computer system to do that. Hmm. There's an audit trail on your cell phone, for God's sakes. I mean, you certainly wouldn't want an adverse event and find out that you were texting during that time. So key point yeah that everyone note that one because uh I, I can tell you stories we'll call clients and they'll answer their cell phone i'm in a case right now um blah 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 i'm like um okay just hang up you know i mean but i know things like that happen so well back to the charting if i can interject because i have done some legal work and you really know what kind of CRNA someone is by looking at their charting. A hundred percent. Truly agree. I mean, I have seen some ex- 
exceptional charts and you just know that this is a CRNA who crosses their T's and dots their I's and then I've seen charts that were very very (laughs) sketchy and it makes you think well if their charting is sketchy is their care sketchy that's a a great example of those things and and it's it's always a balance because as we're all aware in healthcare, we're under production pressure, mm. good, bad, or indifferent. Mm. But how do we make sure that we're applying the appropriate amount of time to get this case closed and wrapped up or done before we get pushed on to the next case? Yeah. And uh, so it's making sure that your charting is complete. Hey, Steve, what do you do? Like, let's say you're up there and you're testifying and you make some sort of mistake and you say, oops, I shouldn't have said that. You know, what, what do you do at that point? You make a correction. Now, uh, many times in a deposition, you will get a transcript of it, and you'll ask to read it and go through it. And sometimes you don't realize you made a mistake until you read it and go back through it. You need to tell your attorney. That was an error on my part. I made a mistake. I said 12, and I meant to say 24 or something mm-hmm. like that. And you just have to acknowledge it. You acknowledge mistakes. It's important. And uh, the sooner the better, because if it goes a long, long time, I mean, if you did your deposition, you had a transcript, and now you go to trial six months later, and you've had all this time to review this, and all of a sudden you have this brilliant, oh, it was, right. that might be viewed by the trier of the fact as uh, being deceptive or right. trying to lie. You know, uh, I have learned an immense amount from the judge, my, my friend, but she talks about that, and she gives an instance where, um, you know, a highway patrolman, he actually... Uh, got the cases mixed up in his testimony but as soon as he walked out he realized what he had done he came right back to the judge and said I got my cases mixed up and actually she has a lot more respect for him because he came back immediately instead of just saying oh well uh, I messed up and she really thinks a lot of this this patrolman because of that yeah, that's uh, in my law enforcement career. The one thing that the one thing that I control in my career is my ethical reputation. Mm-hmm. And if you ever got caught, particularly in court, of being deceptive or lying, that'll be brought up for every other case you go to. I mean, they'll come back and say, "Well, Deputy Munn, back in June of 2012, didn't you lie on this case?" Ooh. Yes, I did. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the record, right? I guess I did. <laughs> all right. Well, you men can all learn something from that right now. Uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're not going down that road. Uh, so if you don't know the answer, again, I just want to get this across. It's okay to say you I don't know. I don't recall. If I can look at the record, that may be able to help refresh my memory. And your attorney during this time should be able to help you with that and go on. You know, I mean, most CRNAs are, are you know, laid back type B personalities. You know, <laughs> I mean, uh, um, yeah, we know that's true. But I mean, you know, most are type A, and and you know, I'm type A. You are, and you are. I mean, and we don't like people in our space questioning us. And you know, what if you get mad and they're asking you something that really just tees you off and you just, how do you handle that and control your demeanor and your emotions in that environment? I would tell you to uh, become the person you become when you run a code. Be focused. Be focused. Mm, Focus on on your mission. 
Okay, this is this, and even though it's an adversarial situation, it's. I mean, this attorney doesn't just because they attack you. They're not. It may. It feels many times they're attacking you personally. Right. But it's not. It's their job. Just like it's your attorney's job to, for instance, maybe in questioning the plaintiff of the case. Well, why didn't you tell you know Steve Munn that you or CRNA that you were allergic to morphine? You failed mm. to tell that. You failed to disclose that, mm-hmm. and we or those sorts of things. Or you failed to tell them that you had these other events in your medical history, and you didn't share that with your providers. So uh, you know it's their job. Don't look at them. I mean, there's certain attorneys I've met in my career that uh, I wouldn't go out and have a beer with, but <laughs> but there were certainly others, many others that I dealt with that were defense attorneys, but they were defending the client, and and that's fine. And I did my job, and I followed the rules, and it's up to the triers of the fact. Hmm. It brings up another question in my mind, and again, it might be something to this, it might not, but you know, I hear a lot of CRNAs say the supervising anesthesiologist never even came in the room. So, so what happens if, if that person gets sued and they name the anesthesiologist and the CRNA and whoever else, but the anesthesiologist never stepped foot into the room? Just stay the fact. Don't elaborate as to why they didn't come into the room. If they get at it, they were playing doctor, solitaire. Or, you know, no, yeah, don't, don't, don't add do that, that part. Don't do that. <laughs> no, because, well, first of all, you don't know, right? I mean, right, you right. may think they were. You right. may think they were in their office drinking coffee. You may think that, and that may be your personal opinion, but you don't have that fact. Right. It's tri- strictly an opinion. And so you answer the question Did Dr. Jones, was Dr. Jones present during the code? No. Mm. You don't go, no, because he was tied right. up in another code. You just answer the question. Okay, you or no because he was on lunch break. You don't do that. You you be as short as you can. Was Dr. Jones in the room? No. Did he come in the room? No. I believe that Sirenace might have might struggle with that part. Just like <laughs> well, you that's just why said. I wanted to bring it up. Exactly. So, yeah. Let's go back to this whole thing about demeanor, how you carry yourself, hold yourself. Because I, as again, I, the judge and I have had lots of discussions about this. For instance, she had one young girl show up in court with a playboy bunny t-shirt on with it ripped right down the front and uh but i'll tell you the judge asked her to approach the bench and the judge leaned forward and said i think you were hoping for a male judge (laughs) and the girl to her credit did say yes ma'am i was oh wow and actually the judge said that gave the girl some credibility she was very honest but Let's talk about that just a little bit more. And can your demeanor affect future actions? Yes, uh, particularly if you have a video deposition. Okay, uh, Playboy uh, bunny shirts well, would not go over very well. Because thinking. you know they could play portions of your deposition in the trial if they go to oh. trial. They could. So huh. if you show up in you know for, in shorts and a t-shirt and flip flops. And now you're in trial, and you're in your suit and tie, and all that sort of stuff. They would like, what person are you? Sort of oh, thing. and very so, good point from that perspective. So I, I think you need to treat all of these. My recommendation was you treat all of these scenarios as if you're in trial, if you're in the courtroom, and even though you're not formally in a courtroom during a deposition, be there. And if you ever have any doubts about what you should wear or things like that, then work with your attorney mm-hmm. and they're going to be very straightforward and tell you i need you to wear a tie i need a uh, female to dress in business attire you know that sort of deal and they're also going to have the, the understanding 
of the makeup of the community they're in. Mm. Uh, because different communities have different standards. I right. mean, when you come to a large urban city, maybe certain dresser or tires are a little bit easier or more accepted. If you go to a very small conservative community, you may not want to be more provocative in your dress, so to speak. Right. So uh, I think you just need to listen to your attorneys. They should know that the, the climate around you. Yeah. All right, let's go back to during the actual deposition. Is it okay to ask for your chart to take a look at it? I'm sure it's right there. It is certainly okay to ask for it. There may be some attorney discussions related between the two attorneys as to whether or not you get it, but I've never been part of anything where you couldn't actually physically hold the record with you. And so even in uh, when I went to testify in criminal cases, I'd bring all my reports in a folder and I'd have them with me because, you know, on a criminal case, there might be 40 officers that have parts of it, and they're not going to ask the uh, state's attorney to bring me all my pages, but I'd have it with me, and I could reflect back on it. So I usually always bring them. I put them in a folder. I keep it closed. And then if I had a question, I said, I would like to refer back to my record. Mm-hmm. Stephen, most of the... Um schools nowadays are doing this type of training with students is there any kind of ongoing you know CRNAs that have been out of school for 10 15 20 years any kind of resources that um, maybe can help do a refresher for them to say all right you know that that charting is important I need to do things a certain way is there anything available like that well I think there is you know I think it's great topics for state organizations that put on at their meetings uh you can yeah uh, we've done it at department meetings we've talked about what we're doing this on making sure that we you know this we're going to make sure this gets documented in our record and things of that nature so it's important but as as good clinicians it's always important for us to remain current and we we have mm-hmm. to seek out those opportunities and and i tell you until you've actually been sued and you had you know in my case, a U.S. Marshal lay a piece of paper in my hand and say, you're being sued in federal court. It's, you know, you, you think about it, but you never think it's going to happen. Right, right. Well, none of us ever think it's going to happen to us. No. And that's why we all need to be prepared for it. Well, you know, exactly. I, and you, you made a very good point, Jeremy, because in, like at Wake Forest, the students have a mock trial, mm-hmm. um, which is very beneficial to them, but you know when you're looking at i've been out almost 30 years that was a long time i can't believe ago. you said that i know right <laughs> i can't believe i said I didn't it know you either. could get accepted in anesthesia school when you're 18 though oh, <laughs> he knows how to talk to the women and he knows his shoes too he buys his wife's shoes oh wow that's well, a good man well, well we did ask him to uh, to let us know something that almost no one agrees with him on and, and steve what did you say <laughs> I said that someday the Minnesota Vikings will win the Super Bowl. Oh, jeez. He did say that. In one of my careers, early on, I spent six years as an assistant trainer with the Minnesota Vikings while I was in college. Oh, wow. My God, what have you not done? And I actually was on the sidelines in my second year when the Miami Dolphins kicked our butt in Rice University in Houston. But I I can show you highlight reels of that Super Bowl, and uh, there I am kneeling on the sidelines. Oh my gosh! So all right. So you've done all of these things. What would what's left that you would like to be or do? Interestingly enough, I uh, Angela's a wonderful person, but she doesn't like to cook very much. I would. I really want to take some uh, serious chef lessons. Oh. I I I love to grill. I love outside cooking, and I want to learn more about smoking. And I I want to prepare those dishes that 
you see the pictures of in magazines. And you meant so. smoking meats, right? Yeah, no, that's what I was. Okay, all right. I was just going to clarify I did work narcotics uh, for five years. so I <laughs> Of course you did. Well, you know what? We'll see him on Chopped or one of those culinary shows before the, it's over with. There's a great place in Charleston called Charleston Cooks. I don't know if you've ever seen that down I, there. I have, um, and, I, and just because of you know, we both had great jobs, uh, great organizations. I never had enough time, but now that I'm actually it's really neat living yeah. there. As long as the honeydew list every morning is too long. <laughs> well, that'd be a great date night, idea, <laughs> yeah. you know. And, and, oh, yes, and Angela yes. might, you know, pick up a couple of things, you know. So it'd be she good. does a wonderful job. She always cleans up. And does that. <laughs> well, that's the way it is at my house. My husband does most of the cooking, and yeah, I just I just clean it. up. You yeah. know, the the Pierce women. We we don't like to do. Oh, those Sharon, things. you do more than clean up. I talked to Pierce the other day, and he said. <laughs> I can't keep up with it. She's painting the garage. She's painting the walls. She's pressed. She's doing this. She's doing that. He's like, you know, I just want to sit out on the couch. And I feel bad because Sharon's always doing something. I paint, so. I paint everything. I spray yeah. paint everything. And Pierce is afraid to hold still. <laughs> Whenever I was outside painting some filing cabinets the other day and uh, the dog was out there, he said, if the dog comes in with a stripe up her back. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, she'll look like a skunk. What oh, can you gosh. say? <laughs> well, Steve, this is this has been a great topic. I think every CRNA, uh, not only CRNAs, I think anyone should know this stuff. But is there anything that you, you would like to conclude on, maybe tell our listeners uh, you know, some kind of parting wisdom? Just be prepared. I mean, I do your good. job professionally every day. Do your best. If you make a mistake, own it. Don't try to cover it up. And, you know, get good advice. If you hire an attorney to represent you and you don't listen to him, then why did you hire him? Exactly. Well, you know, it might not be in the healthcare arena that you get sued. You may see an accident or cause an accident, God yeah, forbid, absolutely. or be in an accident, and you may have to be in a deposition. You know, I have been noticing people texting and driving lately. Oh, yeah. Twice within the last two weeks, I have had people come all the way over into my lane. Yeah. And they are they're texting. I'm almost had a head on collision before I came to the meeting. Scared me to death. But I went to the ditch and I was saved, but I could have wound up in court over that. Yeah, absolutely. Well good other, advice. one last piece is your cell phone as much as you erase it it's always there so uh, just, oh. yes. you know uh, they're great assets to us we had a policy that providers could use it to look up medical things mm-hmm. but if you're buying an airline ticket in the middle of a case and something goes bad that would be a really bad day for us yeah. that might influence a settlement versus even if you did everything right but just wow. because they can show they would prove this inattentiveness mm-hmm. so well that's good advice yeah great great wisdom there well Sharon I think that's a wrap this has been wonderful Steve we want to thank you for for being with us today and uh, imparting us with all this knowledge from all these different <laughs> careers you've had in your your life but um, and we want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mask and I'm Jeremy Stanley and I'm Sharon Pierce yeah if you're a fan please subscribe on iTunes or Podbean wherever you get your podcast please rate us leave us a review it helps listeners find us and please share episodes on social media to get the word out
Hi, everybody. This is Jeremy. Remember back in episode 45 when my co-hosts Sharon Pierce and Kimberly Gordon talked about the candidate school for nurses that they're piloting at Yale for May of 2020. The application process opened on January 1st. If you're a nurse or a nurse anesthetist and interested in running for elected office or even if you're interested in managing another nurse's campaign, you will not want to miss this opportunity. As the first candidate school for nurses in the country, you will want to be in the inaugural class. Just go to the Yale Nursing website and search Candidate School for Nurses and apply today. Like what you're hearing? Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry. Or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask Podcast Facebook page and Facebook group. Today's show was made possible by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. And thanks for your support of Beyond the Mask. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment, or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible, and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny.